Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. In 2017, there was a series on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. And in this 13 Reasons Why, it was asking the question why people give up on life. Now, this went four seasons, so it was a popular, popular show. And uh, I'm going to have to put this somewhere uh, since my pocket's not working too well. Maybe I'll just set it right here and, or dangle it. Maybe I'll dangle it. Say what? We'll just put it on my leg here. Normally, if I don't have my black sleeve, I just slide it inside of it. You know, that has a lot of different services that that leg does um, that you guys don't. Um, but it caused a national question of just so why do we live? And especially in a time where suicide's at its highest is asking this question, why people live. And that same year in Psychology Today, a psychologist by the name of Anna Nagalis wrote her 13 reasons why. Now I should have some piano music playing in the background here, um, but life is an invitation to learn. That's why she looks at this whole thing of what's worth living, because invitation to learn. A new day means new experiences. To, li- to live is to look at ourselves in the mirror and discover a message of love in our own eyes. It almost sounds like Stuart Smalley talking here, but uh, to live is allowing ourselves to fall in love with someone, with, with myself, or with life itself. And, and those 13 reasons, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with those reasons. It's interesting of what's missing from the list. Because hope is not talked about there. Hope is what gives people the purpose to live. That's what keeps people alive, is hope. It's interesting that in Ukraine, if, and I tried to pull up a billboard, but they're all in Ukrainian. So um, throughout Ukraine, there are billboards everywhere that says, God is our only hope. Because, guys, he is. When you put hope in other things, that when things get difficult, that's when things start to shake. That's, the, that's building your house on sand and in a world of just where we're living now. And everything, doesn't matter where you're at, if your hope is not built on something that is strong, it will easily be shaken when those things you've built on fails. There's a old writer, long past. I'm going to say it slow because it's the only way I can say the name. Dostoevsky. I had to break it down. That's a big, long word. But he was a writer in Russia. And he said this, to live without hope is to cease to live. Now, what's interesting, he wrote from, he was reading books that were banned by the Tsar of Russia. So the Tsar condemned him to death. There was an uprising, so the Tsar changed his mind and sent him to a gulag for four years, and then to Siberia after that. That's when he wrote this. To live without hope is to cease to live. How important hope is. In the dictionary, hope is defined this way, a feeling of expectation and desire 
for a certain thing to happen. You know, we, we talk about hope like, you know, kids, you know, they can't wait till Christmas comes because they see they're anticipating the presence under the tree and the time is clicking. Their hope is that expectation and desire to open that. And, and it, not that that's a bad hope, but a lot of people use that hope as, oh, I hope it's going to happen, I hope it's going to happen. But there is a hope that we can anchor to where our expectations of what is going to is mixed in with a deep down desire. And that's biblical concept of hope is a confident expectation. Romans 8:24 says this, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes, hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And the Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about this whole thing. Now, faith is being sure of what is hoped for and certain of what we do not see. Hope is that expectation that's mixed with desires. And the one who gives us hope, this anchor that to our soul is God himself. In Hebrews chapter, chapter 6, the writer says this, God did this. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Let me say that again. It's impossible for God to lie. He is trustworthy. What he says is true. We have fled to take, take hold of the hope offered to us, to, to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Because, guys, as you're floating down this river, you don't have an anchor. You're just going to float downstream because you never float upstream. What's going to help you when times come around to be firm and secure is that anchor of hope that he is trustworthy because he doesn't lie. It's impossible for God to lie so I can trust everything he says in his word. And because of that, that gives me an incredible confidence to boast about that hope. That's why that song, Prove It, all right? Hey, if, if you're free, prove it. Prove it by how you're living. Prove it by, by what you're saying. That's the proof of freedom. Hebrews 3, 6 says, but Christ, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast, hold on, because why? This world wants to rip it away. This world wants to rip it away, so you just go floating down the river hope, an anchor for your soul. And because of that hope, you can be extremely bold. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 12, therefore, since we have such a hope, <laughs> we are bold. Because guys, it's hard to intimidate someone who's not afraid to die. I mean, it, you can't intimidate someone who's got a hope that something better's coming. How, how are you going to scare that out of the person? You can't. That's why Paul said, I have this hope. But we live in a world where people are without hope because they're without God. This is, this is what uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 2.12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to, and foreigners to the covenants of this, this promise. You were without hope and without God. And that's the world. That's why, guys, we are the hope bearers. Of all, of, 
of anyone on the face of the earth, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be the most hopeful people the world has ever seen. They should be looking at you, how you're handling, because they're facing the same circumstances you are. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to avoid any of that. But you're holding on. Your anchor is secure. Your hope is in something better. It's tied with expectation and desire of what is to come. There's a story found in John 11, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And all of a sudden, a messenger comes with news from, that was sent by Martha and Mary that Lazarus, Jesus, Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, is sick. And so this messenger comes and says, hey, Mary and Martha sent me, Lazarus is sick, we need you to come quickly. And uh, of course, you know, this is Jesus' best friend. He's got to go. He, he can bring healing. And it says that when Jesus heard this, he makes this announcement. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, it doesn't seem like Jesus was in any big hurry to get to his friend. He already told the disciples, guys, it's not going to end in death. All right, Lazarus is going to be okay. So they hung out for two more days. And after two days, that's when Jesus decided to get up and go. And this is important to the story. Because in John 11, verse 11, he says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. So twice now. He tells his disciples twice the end of the story, which is really important to understand the story. And so he heads back to where Lazarus is. Martha hears that Jesus is coming. So she runs out and meets Jesus. And she says this in verse 20, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you wish. Lord, if you'd only been here, you could have done something. But now he's dead. Now, what's important to the story is that Jesus waited two days. It took two days to get there, so that was four days. Understand, within Jewish mythology is that the Jews believed that the soul of the person kind of floated around the body for three days in hopes that God would put him back in the body. But now that it's four days, he's not just dead. He's dead dead, okay? There is no hope. And look what Jesus says here in verse, in, in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Again, telling the end of the story. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha, she says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? All right, understand something, guys. We should have, under horizon, it should be immortals. Because <laughs> honestly, if you're a believer in Christ, you're immortal. I mean, this body may shut down, but Tim Stevenson is never going to shut down. Not because of anything I've done. Not that, it's because of who I believed in, that Jesus, who's the resurrection and the life, that he says, if you believe in me, you will, what? Never die. 
Never die. We're all immortals. You can go home and tell your friends that. Go to work. I need a raise because I'm an immortal. Okay? What I love that which says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. D.L. Moody, pastor and preacher in the late 1800s, said this. Some morning you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I should be more alive than I am now. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856. That which is born only of the flesh will die. That which is born of the flesh and the spirit will live forever. And so Jesus asks where Lazarus is, so they're taking him to the tomb, and here's all these mourners. They're all wailing because Lazarus is dead. Obviously, Lazarus is a good, great guy, and, and Jews know how to mourn. I mean, they had, they'd hire professional mourners if you had enough money. you just have people out there, oh, you may not have known the guy, but you're getting paid. And so here's all this mourning going on, and Jesus comes into the place. In verse 33, when Jesus saw them weeping, saw Martha and Mary weeping, the Jews come along, they're all weeping. It says here, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the whole Bible. Say that together. Jesus wept. One more time. Jesus wept. You memorized the verse today, see? Uh, some of you say, I can't memorize scripture. You just did, all right? That's not hard. Now, understand Jesus had told the end of the story. Now three times. It's not going to end in death. Not going to end in death. Not going to end in death. But Lazarus is dead. And he's seen all these people wailing. His, his friend Martha and, and, and Mary wailing because the brother's dead. And it says here as he, Jesus saw this, he was deeply moved in, in spirit and troubled. And I know I've talked about this before, but it's so important in the story. Jesus was not crying because he was having compassion on everyone around him. Why would Jesus be crying? I'm sorry, you guys. He's going to raise him from the grave in a matter of minutes. He knows the end of the story. He's not weeping because he's sad that everyone else is sad. And the reason I know that, it says when he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. In the Greek, it's the way it's all formed. If it just said he was deeply moved, then he would have been having compassion. If it would have said he was just troubled, he would have been having compassion. But when you put the two together, it means that he was mad. What? How could Jesus? He's at a funeral. You don't get mad at a funeral. I've been to a couple of funerals where people have gotten mad. I understand. Jesus was mad, not because they're crying, because they're doubting. Verse 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was, a cave, it was a cave with a stone that laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. And Martha, who he just told the end of the story to, by this time, there's a bad odor because he's been in there four days. Remember, three days, there's hope. Four days, no hope. He's dead, dead. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would have seen the glory of God? Martha doubted. And we doubt. I didn't say this yesterday. It hit me last night and this morning. Belief. Belief is hard. Believing is hard. I mean, Martha was just told the end of the story, but she doubted it within minutes. We're told the end of the story, and then something happens. Circumstances. A smelly tomb's going to be open. 
All right, the war in Ukraine, gas prices going crazy, inflation, you know how much our food costs today, comparatively? Bad news from the doctor. I just start with kids going sideways, a nation becoming farther away from God. They're talking masks again? I mean, we are good, oh, this, this, this is how easy it is for us to pull up that anchor of hope and just start sliding down the river. You read the end of Mark. The disciples doubted. Even though Mary, Mary, Martha, they come running to the disciples and say, Jesus is raised from the dead, we saw him. No, he didn't. Here's the disciples that hung out with Jesus for three years, who was told over and over again. No, he didn't. Then the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we talked about that two weeks ago, on the road to Emmaus, they come running back to the disciples. We saw him, he was right, rose from the dead. No, he didn't. It wasn't until Jesus showed up himself and then even Thomas, when he was told, until I can put my finger in the side and do it, and I'm not going to believe. Belief is a tough thing. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 where a father had a son who was d- demon-possessed. Disciples tried to do something. They couldn't do it. And Jesus heals the, the young man. But the father said this, Help me in my unbelief. I mean, I think that needs to be our prayer. For some of you, it's easy to believe. Some people, they just believe and there's no doubt. Some of you are going to have to put your finger through the hole. Okay, is that really Jesus? I mean, Thomas gets a a bad rap, but there are a lot of Thomases. I, I struggle to believe. You need to be like this dad and say, help me in my unbelief. Because the hope that we have, this hope, is based on that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's based on the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, guys, one, if the resurrection didn't happen, we would have never known about Jesus today. Just telling you that. A religion is not built on someone who just dies. And it's dead, and nothing happens after that. We know about Jesus today because of the resurrection, not because he said a lot of good things. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Guys, the resurrection is the basis of our Christian hope. That's why we celebrate Easter, because that, that is where all hope is based. If that didn't happen, you're hopeless. Go drink, go party, do whatever you want, because it doesn't matter. We're still lost in our sin. We have hope because the death was finally defeated. We have hope because he, we are fully redeemed someday. We have hope that there's a new creation coming. We have hope that everything wrong in this world will be made right someday because of the resurrection of Christ. And I have this hope because it's an expectation mixed with a desire that this is going to come about. And guys, this resurrection of hope is life-changing. It is. The resurrection proves, guys, that that. He's still alive. 
which means his promises that he'll be with us always. If he died and didn't raise from the dead, then all of a sudden, hey, don't worry, I'm not, I, I, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. He said that in John 14, 18. I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And that passage is only true because of the resurrection. Because he lives, he is with me. He will not forsake me. He was by my side at all times because of the resurrection. And because of that resurrection, it gives me power to live each day. Paul says in Ephesians 2, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. There's a story told of a, a lady in London, England who was very poor and never had gone on holiday. You know, that's the English word for vacation. Peter, Peter Mutabazi, I asked him, so how's the vehicle working out? He says, well, we're on holiday in Florida. Uh, so they took it to Florida with all the kids and said it was great on holiday. And this woman had never gone on holiday. She was poor. And so a family who was better well off knew her. And so why don't you come to the ocean on holiday with us? She'd never seen the ocean. And as she walked up to the ocean, she began to weep. And the family looks, is everything okay? I mean, why are you crying? This is what she said. This is the only thing I've ever seen that there was enough of. Think about that. She's looking at the, this is the only thing I've ever seen that there was enough of. God's mercy is this ocean, guys. There is enough for everyone. And because of that, it keeps on there in verse 5. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's why when Paul writes in Philippians 3, 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. Guys, we have a new citizenship. We have a new place. And what I like about that Ephesians, he's talking about in a spiritual sense, God has already raised you up. He seated you with Christ that we have a seat at the table. Because of his great mercy. Hope, guys, is what keeps people alive. Hope is that expectation mixed with desire. And ultimately, hope brings freedom. You can't have freedom without a liberator. And that liberator is Jesus Christ. Because of everything he went through and everything he did, I did, I have freedom not based on who I am, but because of what he did. This hope is secured because of the resurrection. The resurrection is what gives us hope to only not just survive, but to thrive in his presence and in his power. As believers in Jesus Christ, we should be the most hopeful people the world has ever seen. That's why if you're free, prove it. There should be something different about us. 
because our hope, our anchor, in the midst of what everyone else is experiencing, everyone else around you is experiencing gas prices and inflation, everyone else is experiencing seeing things on the news, seeing things going sideways. I mean, they're all experiencing the same thing, but there's something different about you because your boat isn't just drifting. It's there in the midst of the storm because your anchor is secure because it's secured in the hope that is Christ. My hope is in him and him alone, not in myself. And that's why it's hard to believe, guys, because I have to trust someone else other than me. And that's why belief, he says, help me in my unbelief. There's nothing in myself that I bring to the table it's only when I come to him and ask for forgiveness, when I come to him and say, I'm choosing to have my anchor in you. That's where my hope is. My expectation and my desire is all wrapped in that. And guys, the power of the risen Christ is available to each one of us today. So as Christian, I want to encourage you. Be bold. Prove that your hope is in Christ. Let people see that. Let people know that by your actions, by your deeds, by your words, that they see that. Whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's in your workplace, in your family, that there's something different because your hope is placed on something that will not fade away. It's anchored to him. But if you're here today, you never placed your hope in Christ. Don't leave here without that. Maybe something is stirred up inside you. I want that hope. I want that assurance. I want, I want to believe that. Help me in my unbelief. That's the power of the body of Christ to help us when we're having a hard time believing. We encourage one another every day as the, as the day draws near of Christ's return. So I'm going to invite the band back up because we're going to sing that song, Prove It, again. I hope that gets it in your soul that, man, freedom, I need to prove that. But if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I'm going to have a prayer up on the screen that we can pray together. This song, it, it, this prayer, I write it differently every time because it's not how the words are arranged. It's the sincerity of your heart saying, today I'm choosing to believe. And what's going to happen, this song's going to be sung, and then we're going to be dismissed. There's going to be some people down here. If you pray this with me, you need to talk to these people because we want to get you the encouragement you need in this belief to walk this road together. And so let's pray this. If, again, if you've never prayed this, may this be the sincerity of your heart. I want to encourage everyone to pray to, to, that we have boldness in praying together to encourage those who may want to pray this for the very first time. So let's pray this. God, you are rich in mercy. I need your mercy and your grace. You sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Jesus was buried, but on the third day you rose him from the grave. Because of that, death has been defeated. Your promises are true. And today I believe I turn away from my sin. Please forgive me. Today, I ask you to direct my life. Thank you for the hope that you are with me always. Today, I follow you. Father in heaven, for those who may have prayed that for the very first time, to those who just need to pray that for encouragement in their heart of what is true, 
Father, may their hope and belief be anchored in you because you are the reason we have hope. Father, may those who may have prayed this for the very first time be filled with your spirit. May they come down here and talk to someone so they can grow in that faith. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.